Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Progressive View. I'm Jack in the studio with Rachel as usual, and we have a special guest joining us today. It's Kendall Young. Um, Kendall's one of our friends that went to high school with us, and she is going to the University of Florida next year. She's also a progressive gal, so she's <laughs> going to be joining us today. We have an exciting show. We're going to talk about um, some interesting funding that the Koch brothers are doing. We'll start with that. We're also later going to talk about the big controversy over um, what Samantha B said about Ivanka Trump, obviously what Roseanne Barr um, tweeted, um, kind of if that's a double standard or not. Spoiler, I don't think it is. But um, And we're also going to talk about the separation policy of the, new, of the Trump administration that came out basically around our episode time last week where Jeff Sessions and the Justice Department have announced they're going to separate children from their parents if they immigrate illegally at the border. So first, we're going to start with that news that's kind of a big story that Rachel alerted me of, and I actually had no idea was happening. The Koch brothers are supporting Heidi Heitkamp, the incumbent Democratic senator um, in in North Dakota, for re-election. Rachel, why don't you go into this a little bit more? Yeah, so um, she is not necessarily known as a progressive Democrat in the Senate. Don't Um, know she would come on progressive view. We'd love to have her, but... Don't think it's gonna she happen. is one of the senators that is up for re-election in a state that voted for Trump. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that the Koch brothers have decided, what, what did you say that their super PAC was called? Uh, Americans for Prosperity. Americans for Prosperity. Jack and I were actually just recently looking at a uh, website that they put together for her, um, which is very interesting. But anyways, one of the reasons that uh, they're choosing to support her is because she recently voted to roll back uh, the regulations on small banks. Was it the Dodd? Dodd-Frank law, yeah, but it was on large and small banks. Yes, yeah, large and small banks. Um, and so, you know, she is definitely more of a, a libertarian type politician, and it's honestly very frightening that the Koch brothers are choosing to sponsor her. Uh, you know, they are not known as... Um, you know, fighters for the progressive era, but um, it is very interesting to see how they are going across party lines for the specific candidate. Right. And the Koch brothers are a group that generally establishment Democrats will shy away from criticizing groups like big oil and big pharma and telecommunications industry because they too get money from them. Even Wall Street, not so much as Republicans, but they still get money from them. But the Koch brothers have generally been the evil eye um, of, or the, the evil group that Democrats have always attacked and they've said that they have all this dark money they're pouring into politics and they're part of the corrupt system and they oftentimes wouldn't call out other industries which I do think is is wrong and a double standard but um, it's interesting to me that this group which basically helped fund the entire Tea Party movement um, kind of put since the Obama, I mean, they've been doing it forever, but especially during the Obama administration, put thousands and thousands of Republicans in office is now supporting a Democrat in a Senate race. And one thing I find interesting about this, and I'm not sure if I could answer this question is even though Heitkamp is obviously a much more conservative Democrat, as Rachel pointed out, she voted to repeal parts of the Dodd-Frank law. Um, Even if because she's a Democrat, even if she's reelected, that does go towards helping the Democrats gain a majority in the Senate, which I would be surprised. I'm a little surprised that the um, Koch brothers aren't aren't supporting a Republican instead. Part of the reason that's been given is the Koch brothers support the Democrats plan on immigration to um, allow a, a reasonable amount of legal immigrants, unlike the Republicans. Um, who want to basically ban everyone, and that's a reason that's been given. But I think it's a little interesting that they're not sacrificing 
the possible immigration plan for a Republican to come in office, because even if they don't agree with that Republican on everything, um, it still would help them help Mitch McConnell keep his majority in the Senate. And uh, Jack, I have a question. Do you know how um, progressive she happens to be on social issues more so than economic issues? Yeah, I think I'm not 100 percent sure. I I mean, I could look it up, but I think she is kind of um, the brand of Democrat that exists a lot now, which is they're going to shy away from social issues. I think if you asked her personally, she would be pro-choice and she would support gay marriage and she might support some moderate gun control, um, but probably with a lot of limits. Um, but I don't think, I mean, I think that's kind of why she identifies as a Democrat. She She's one of those that kind of tries to get you to vote for her for the social issues. And I think if you're in North Dakota, you should vote for her because her Republican opponent is certainly not going to do a good job at all and will go towards keeping Mitch McConnell's majority. Um, but I do think that she kind of coasts off of that um, faux sort of liberalism of, oh, I support these social issues um, but doesn't want to stand up for the working class. So something else that's been in the news that has been pretty controversial is uh, with the uh, with Roseanne Barr. Uh, you know, she has gotten her show back on ABC, um, but Roseanne is known for being a Trump supporter, being against Hillary. She has very controversial, racist, misogynistic tweets out there. Um, and so there has just been a lot of backlash against ABC. Um, but the other day... Uh, or, well, you know, to give some background, one thing that she tweeted a while ago, a long time ago, was a photo of her dressed as Hitler with a cookie sheet of, uh, I think they were supposed to be Jewish people, which is insanely anti-Semitic, and I don't know why, you know, that even allowed her. But, Kendall, you you had some other information of um, another instance of anti-Semitism that she's tweeted. Well, yes, she normally has used, in recent years, has used her Twitter as kind of a platform, and she talks about various conspiracy theories that she has and that the right often has, but one of them was about... um, George Soros, right? Yeah, it was. She was tweeting with Chelsea Clinton, Mm -hmm. who talked about um, being married to a Jewish person, and George Soros came up because of something that Roseanne said, and Chelsea responded to it, and she accused George Soros of being a Nazi who turned in other Jews during the Holocaust. Roseanne did, correct? Roseanne, yes. She accused him of that, even though, you know, documents show Mm -hmm. that he fled from the Holocaust from Hungary in 1947. And another thing that she, you know, what has happened most recently is a certain tweet that she did uh, about Valerie uh, Jarrett. Jared, yeah. So, Jack, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so she said something about Muslim Brotherhood plus Planet of the Apes equals VJ, which was short. Um, or, yeah, she said Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ, which is short for <sighs> Valerie Jarrett. Uh, and that caused ABC to cancel her show, which um, ha- has rightfully caused a little bit of reckoning on Twitter and the internet and elsewhere, which was why if she had already tweeted all these anti-Semitic things and she was a huge kind of racist Trump supporter, which she brought on with the show in the first place. Um, But there's been a lot of controversy surrounding that. And we're going to go into a little bit of that later. One thing that I just thought of that I wanted to bring up was the night that Roseanne Barr, I believe it was the same night, had gotten fired. um, The president was doing a rally in our home state of Tennessee in Nashville. Actually, it may have been the day before that, but 
he said something about how Nancy Pelosi was an MS-13 lover. MS-13, of course, being the Salvadorian American gang um, that is known for its its brutal murders of people. Um, and the next day, he tweeted something about how... Uh, so Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, had called Valerie Jarrett to apologize for Roseanne's statement and telling her that, she was going, that he was going to be firing Roseanne before it actually happened. And Trump said well, why didn't Bob Iger call me and apologize for all of the mean things that ABC has said about me? And I was kind of just like, okay, you called your political opponent an MS-13 lover yesterday, which I don't think anyone in Congress or anyone in the executive branch loves MS-13. So that's absolutely ridiculous. In fact, I know that no one does. And that's just ridiculous. But what later became the controversy was Samantha Bee, who's a left-wing pundit with a comedy show, said something where she... Ivanka Trump had tweeted a picture of her holding her baby the same day that we found out about the policy that the president and more specifically Jeff Sessions Justice Department had put out, which was to separate children from their parents if they cross the border illegally. And she called um, Ivanka Trump a feckless C word, um, which there's a whole debate over whether she should be using the C word or not. But to put that aside, um, the president and the executive branch have called for her to be fired. We must remember that Roseanne Barr has called people, I believe Hillary Clinton, the C word before. Um, obviously, she's had those super anti-Semitic rants. And at the same time, we also have to remember that Samantha Bees was coming from a place of criticizing a racist policy while um, Roseanne Barr was kind of just wanting to call people names and yeah. be racist. So uh, one major thing, one major problem that I have is uh, the White House's um, you know, use of trying to censor something like that. Uh, and, you know, this is a place that I probably disagree with Jack a little bit just because I know the background behind the C word. Um, and it's just really misogynistic and like a horrible term to use, a, you know, to describe a woman. And um, I mean, I'm obviously against Roseanne using it as well as Samantha B using it. Um, and so even though I think it's inappropriate for Samantha B, uh, be to be using that. Um, I still think that it's a better situation. Like uh, as you described, you know, she's describing a woman, Ivanka Trump, who has, you know, she, Ivanka is very, very talented at, you know, trying to, you know, get the women's vote and looking like a normal person uh, within the Trump family, which actually is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, she's she's brilliant about doing that, but she is still not a good person. You know, she's not fighting for. Um, help with the children who are being uh, separated from their parents at the border and she just you know gets to ride off of scandals because oh she's the woman she's the normal one but you know if she's within the Trump administration you know she is still pushing for her father's policies and she is still doing things that are wrong so she still deserves criticism but personally I think that uh, you know, I'm total. I know. I understand that Samantha B uses that term a lot. It's not something that was specific to using uh, it against Ivanka, but I don't think that it was necessarily the um, place or time for that word. Yeah, I think I think we're coming from the same place there, pretty much. Like, I don't. I don't think it's really that appropriate to be using. I just think that the White House is um, just the White House coming from a place of being upset about vulgarity like we have to keep in mind this is the president who said that he grabbed women by their pussies he's the the president who has said all these horrible things he said about Carly Fiorina look at that face who would want her to be president 
I mean, he said terrible things about women over and over, obviously done terrible things to women, as we know from the dozens and dozens of sexual assault allegations, including one that was later rescinded but was put out by his ex-wife. Um, yeah, Kendall, any thoughts on the immigration policy of separating children at the border or Roseanne Barr or anything? Well, I mean, it's like that issue we're seeing often now about the debate over free speech. But in this case, you know, vulgarity, like Samantha B used, is not the same situation as Roseanne Barr, who was kind of spreading propaganda of mm-hmm. anti-Semitism and racism, and the two can't really be compared. Yeah, and one thing that is important to keep in mind is that obvious, you know, Roseanne and Samantha B. this has been like the top of the news with this week. But the problem with that, even though it's important to discuss, is that it's also overshadowed policies um, such as Trump's, you know, advocated by Jeff Sessions for uh, separating children and their families at the border if they try to uh, immigrate illegally, along with the thousands of missing children that the, you know, ICE has been responsible for. Um, and also the huge number of deaths associated with the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, these are all things that are important to discuss and bring light to. But the problem is that, you know, obviously the media has sensationalized uh, Roseanne and Samantha. Yeah. And I think just to um, clarify a little bit, I think it was technically DHS that's in charge of those children. But I understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from um, with the government. Um not being able to find some of these these children that they've placed in foster care, but then not being able to contact those families once they're, or the families that they were placed in. And yeah, I, I didn't think of that. That's that's a, a great example of us kind of contributing to this problem in media is that these are the stories that are sexy and easy to talk about, but I didn't even think of that. And that's totally something that's happened this week is the official death count in in Puerto Rico was like 30 something or 60 something i mean it was in the it was in the dozens and it's been found by a study that maybe over i think 3000 yeah 3 or 4000 people have actually died and we have to remember that trump bragged during the hurricane or after the hurricane about the low death toll which is ridiculous i mean he was throwing paper towels at these people saying he was doing a great job when oh, clearly he wasn't that. yeah Said everyone it was no on the ground Katrina. yeah uh. and everyone on the ground was was angry and he kind of just put it aside because it was people who for the most part were not white and they didn't vote for republicans so it didn't matter to him So our final little section here is just going to be about some stuff that's going on in activism, um, good and bad this week, but we thought you guys should know. This is kind of the the stories that maybe media isn't covering as much. They're more covering the national news and the the headlines out of the White House, but these are just important to getting issues that we care about, um, like gay rights and and gun control passed. So Kendall, why don't you explain why people are wearing orange? Okay, so um, June 1st is National Gun Violence Awareness Day, and it's part... um, of the it's a hashtag wear orange movement to recognize victims and survivors of gun violence that was started um in 2013 and so now the nra has sparked a debate with that yeah so the i, I think it, i don't know if it was today or yesterday oh yeah it was friday so the nra tweeted uh nra social going orange while every town for gun safety has devoted close to no resources to making citizens safer the nra continues to be the world's leading gun safety organization since 1871 and then they asked for all of their members to post pictures in their orange hunting vests and their nra gear you know to kind of counteract all of the other wear orange photos 
they Kendall just showed me this picture where they had tweeted something about how Orange has always been ours, which I think is a funny because you just told me it was founded in 1871 and Orange has clearly existed since before 1871. <laughs> but that just really makes me angry. On like I don't know why that does. You just can't claim a color like that's just wrong. Like I, I don't know. Orange is like the color everyone wears in Knoxville because of the Vols and stuff. Like it's you can't own a color that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and obviously you're not advocating for gun safety if you're not advocating for gun safety legislation. So you know that's really Sick burn girl. <laughs> <laughs> True, but you know that is just a really inappropriate thing I think for them to be saying on you know a day to recognize the victims of gun violence and the gun violence ec- epidemic in the United States. So something else we wanted to talk about for um, this little activism section is something that's happened in our personal lives I guess. Um, Kendall went canvassing for the first time today for Gloria Johnson for State House and canvassing is a really fun and easy way to get involved with any campaign whether that be um, a state house campaign like this, Congress, Senate, Governor, County Commission, Mayor, whatever's up in your town or whatever, you should go get involved. But Kendall, what was that like for you? What kind of what was your experience, your first time canvassing? What was the good, bad, everything? Well, um, I had been phone banking before, but canvassing was really fun. It was different, and I think it just showed the importance of local elections because we can often focus on bigger ones in the midterms nationally. But it's helped me to realize I need to pay attention and change starts locally. And it was fun. I had a good time. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, it's I think it's definitely difficult. People are always asking me, oh, who should I vote for in the local elections? And I do agree that it's difficult to find, you know, like accurate information all in one place. Um, but was it that voter registration place that the, the one that we interviewed the other day? Don't they have like a section about all the uh, elections that are coming up. I don't remember that, but probably you should check out the interview with Civic TN. Yes, if you, you should. Um, and they, they, that's a national organization. Civic TN is the Tennessee version. We talked to the leader in Tennessee, but that's a national organization. So they have a website that everyone can check out. Um, the final thing we want to tell you is obviously since it's the month of June, Pride Month started yesterday. So um, uh, happy, happy LGBTQ plus Pride to everyone. Um, Prides are happening kind of every weekend. Um, throughout the country, most of them later on. I think Knoxville is in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll be attending that one, but there's there's pride throughout the country. Um, we hope everyone enjoys that. We hope everyone has enjoyed this episode. We want to thank Kendall so much for coming on. It's her first time on a podcast, as far as I know, at least. Yeah. No. And hopefully not her last. So <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. <laughs>